Welcome to Spark Creators, a podcast that empowers kids to learn, create, and become. This podcast invites creators and entrepreneurs from all over to share their stories and ideas. We believe every kid is creative. It's just a matter of taking that first step and starting now. We hope this podcast can inspire you to create something that makes a difference in the world. If you want to stay inspired, remember to subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Or visit us at peachandplumlab.com slash podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Spark. I'm the host, Lee. I'm the co-host, Yang. It is great to have Ayush Alak to join us today. Ayush is 17 years old. Um, he is currently a senior high student at Harker School in San Jose, California. He is also a founder and CEO of Allergies Inc. Ayush came from Santa Clara, California. At the age of 14, he decided to tackle a problem that he faces on his daily life. So he created a type of DNA test that could someday be used quickly to identify someone who has deadly food allergy or it's just an inconvenient but not life-threatening sensitivity. So he has received a grant um, from a genetic research company, Illumina, to continue his research, which later led to the creation of his own company, Allergies Inc. Yeah. So also, Ayush was named top 40 finalist in the nation and the Reginon Science Talent Search, the nation's oldest and most prestigious science and math competition for high school seniors. There are only five students selected in the whole Bay Area in 19, 2019. So, Ayush, you were born in Santa Clara, California, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so tell us a little bit first, maybe about your background. Um, what kind of family do you grow up with and what kind of parents or sibling do you have? Yeah, definitely. So um, I currently live with my parents and I have a younger brother as well. He's 15. His name is Shreya Lag. So I think my parents have actually, so they're immigrants from India, first generation um, in the United States. Um, and they've been here for 20 years, but seeing them work hard um, has uh, really motivated me to work hard myself. But at the same time, I'm really glad that the motivation has become internal. Um, and it's not something where my parents are really pushing me to work hard. Um, it's, it's grown over time by watching their example. And I've kind of like pushed myself to uh, be the best I can be. And another thing that's also really interesting to me is um, my mom's career path has changed multiple times. When uh, she was growing up, she always wanted to be a doctor. Um, everyone in India, a doctor is really glorified there and she became one of the best doctors. But then she realized that wasn't something that she really wanted to pursue. And she's now um, an entrepreneur. So seeing something um, like that happen, uh, my mom's uh, example has always really encouraged me to pursue what I'm really interested in. Follow your passion. Her example showed you. Yeah, exactly. So Ayush, from the article on San Francisco Chronicle, we knew that your mom says you are a very intelligent and analytical kid and you're extremely focused. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's kind of, <laughs> yeah, sure. So, and uh, do Dr. Joseph Hernandez, the Stanford allergist who worked with you, commented that you are very self-initiative and self-motivated, but how would you describe yourself? So what are some of the biggest traits that you might have or what do you think is important to you? Sure. I, I'd like to thank Dr. Hernandez and my mom again just for those kind words. Um, I think some of the things, the traits and values I most aspire to, definitely I, I consider all of the traits I have like a work in progress, something I can do better. But I think some of the traits and values I 
value most um, are like dedication and exploration. So it's always really important to me um, that I dedicate myself fully to whatever tasks I'm doing, whether that's research, and I know that's really helped me along the way. Um, research requires that kind of dedication and the ability to kind of push actually something forward in the field that you're working on. And then also exploration. So I really like to kind of take risks and try new things. Um, I remember when I was in third grade, I was one of the only um, male dancers in my elementary school. So that was something that was new for me, but I'm really glad I took those risks. So I think dedication, um, I think self-motivation and um, exploration are some things that I really value. That's great. Thanks for sharing your story. We know that actually you founded this company and also started doing this research. It's all because from your childhood, you have been fearful of this life-threatening allergic reaction. And that is the reason you became so interested in the research that you're doing now. So can you tell us a little bit more about your story and how everything started from the very beginning? Sure. So um, just like a starter question, like how many of you guys know like someone who has allergies? Right. I think all of us do, right? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, it's really, really hard. It's really hard, yeah. You may have some reactions like when you eat something, but it's yeah. very hard to determine, say, okay, I am allergic to this type of food, yeah. Yeah, sure, yeah, definitely. So I think allergies is like a growing disease um, in today's um, society. But also, um, as you just said, it's really commonly misdiagnosed by current clinical tests. So when I was a kid, I used to have adverse reactions to foods, but Dr. Hernandez, um, a new allergy doctor, or uh, allergy doctor that I newly met uh, at Stanford, he kind of uh, suggested that I may not actually be truly allergic, as many of the blood and skin tests that I had taken tend to yield 50 to 60% false positive results. So actually to determine whether I was allergic, meaning I had life-threatening reactions, or if I was merely sensitized, meaning that I could actually build immunity to the nut over time, I was allergic to, I was diagnosed as allergic to tree nuts, but so determine whether I was truly allergic or only mildly sensitized to foods, I had to go through an oral food challenge where I actually had to eat the foods um, that I was determined to be allergic to. So you can imagine how horrifying that was for me um, to know that I might actually need to be uh, have an EpiPen injected into me and also to know that a three-year-old child had died um, from that experience itself. So I actually sought to create a safer and more accurate uh, diagnostic test based on that. And that's defined my research over the last few years. I've uh, really gotten into uh, genomics studies and um, machine learning, um, and I've used machine learning methods and computational methods to find a genomic signature, um, which I can analyze and uh, yield a strong diagnostic classifier for allergies and oral sensitivities. And the reason this is important, I think, is um, before when I was actually diagnosed as incorrectly as food allergic, I had to avoid tree nuts at all costs. Um, it was extremely horrifying to have a reaction, not knowing whether I would actually, it might actually, it might be a fatal reaction. And also for my parents, just the unnecessary stress, um, economic cost, and just, um, just yeah, social lifestyle difference um, as compared to now actually being encouraged to eat small amounts of cashew nuts and um, almonds um, and increase my immunity to them. So, and so it's just been a really drastic life change, lifestyle difference. So what you will be doing actually would not um, like would save the kids, you know, whoever going to do this kind of test. They don't have to go through the food testing in order to figure out if they are really allergic to this type of food or not. Exactly. That's the goal. So um, it would be to avoid the oral food challenge, which is not only expensive as it takes a lot of the doctor's time. And it's also just a life threatening and has actually killed a child, um, as mentioned. And then um, all, this would also hopefully potentially help 
the many um, kids that are incorrectly diagnosed as allergic due to the blood challenges and skin t uh, blood tests and skin tests and are unafraid are too afraid uh, with good reason to take the oral food challenges. All right. So um, one more question before we dive into our topic today. So you go to Harker, correct? Yeah. All right. So I think a lot of us know that Harker is a really competitive private school in the Bay Area. And many parents and kids like dream to go to Harker. So now you're almost at the end of your Harker school life. Can you share some things like some great things you've experienced at Harker? Sure. Yeah. So first of all, I just want to say I'm really grateful for attending a really awesome institution like Harker. Um, and I'm really thankful for my parents who worked really, really hard to help me attend. But I think, yeah, there's definitely a lot of things I really appreciate about um, the Harker community. I think something that's really common across a lot of Harker students is the omnipresent dedication to their pursuits, uh, motivation to learn and to do well that so many of the kids have. And I think um, being around that really intellectually strong and uh, really a dedicated and motivated community really inspires me every day to think in different ways. And also, I think, yeah, going based off that, everyone has really diverse interests and you're allowed to pursue a lot of different interests and think really differently. You're encouraged to find new ways of thinking about different issues, analyzing different types of literatures. Um, so that's that's some of the things I appreciate. And then um, in terms of the resources that Harker has, um, I'm really grateful for those as well. Just things like I can pursue dance, orchestra, student council research, along with classes. I think I'm really grateful for those opportunities. But at the end of the day, I think wherever someone attends, um, it's all about just seizing those resources. And I'm glad I've been able to seize some of the resources at Harker. And I really hope to continue doing that um, at Harker and beyond. So did you start from middle school that when you go to Harker? Yeah, I started in third grade. So Third grade, wow. Yeah. Because I knew probably your your brother also goes there right too, right? Yeah, he goes to Harker. He goes to Harker as yeah. well. Yeah, it's great that you can go to the same school actually. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Ayush, um, today our topic is going to be how can you tackle a real world problem as a student, and I wanted to give you enough time to deliver you know these powerful messages to our audience. So. You've worked with doctors and professors from Stanford, and you also have applied and received grants to support your research, and you have presented your papers and research on conferences. And on top of that, you created a company um, as an entrepreneur. So you did all these amazing things in high school. Maybe a lot of adult professionals were striving, you know, a dream to do. So here's your time to tell us all these stories and learnings and tips that you have on how can you tackle a real world problem as a student. Sure. Yeah, thank you so much for that. Um, and I just want to start off by saying that there's still so much more I want to do with allergies. And um, just like, Ultimately, I would really do want to make it into a clinical test that can help patients and clinicians worldwide. And just going off of that, I think that just goes to show how big like the goal is, the ultimate end goal is. Um, and when you're starting, like when I was like, I'm um, just thinking about um, kind of researching in this field um, in ninth grade after those oral food challenges, I didn't think I could like get this far. I didn't really know what to expect, honestly, and that's okay. And that comes to like my first point, which is don't really be afraid to pursue what interests you. Um, if you have something to uh, you want to pursue, really, really go for it and take that risk because you never know what may happen. I don't know what will happen in the future, but I'm really optimistic that I can really bring my project forward and extend its impact to many more millions of people. Yeah, so definitely um, there's, there's a lot of 
problems in today's society. And if you see a problem that really interests you and you say, okay, I want to really go tackle this problem. I think the first um, piece of advice I would have for you is just really go and do it. Just take that, take that risk and um, just see what'll happen. Because even if it doesn't work out in the end, I know so much about research is about failing. You can't really uh, have groundbreaking research without failing. But even if your work fails, you still learn so much more about it. And I'll get into that more later. But yeah, I think definitely my first point of advice is to really go for something that interests you, but really be sure that it interests you and not something that interests someone else and they're telling you to really go go research this field. Because if you really want to, um, most projects are many years down the line and you don't want to ultimately be working on something that, that you really hate, essentially, right? And then um, secondly, um, after just taking risks and really pursuing your interests in that sense, really take advantages of all the researches at your abilities. So uh, at your, um, in your grasps. So for instance, at your school, there may be some kind of research fairs or just kind of um, different like competitions that you can enter or different classes that you can take to learn more about um, whatever you want to tackle. Or you can go to a local community college. There's different labs. There might be different labs in your area. You may have some family friends you want to connect to. There may be some professors you're in contact with. Um, and I'll talk more about networking uh, later, but I think just taking advantages of all the resources in your field or in your uh, grasp is really important. Like for me, actually, people think you have to have like researching at a really amazing lab to conduct groundbreaking research. Actually, I thought that way as well. And that's definitely important. But I think um, when I started in ninth grade, I was researching mainly at home um, using what I learned from online courses that were free. Yeah, so even if it's just like free literature that's um, from online databases at home or like online, if you want to look at those, I think go for it. I really utilize a lot of the free online literature from journals, publicly available articles, etc. And um, just online courses. So even if it's just at home uh, working on your laptop, just try to use whatever you have to solve the problem you really want to solve. And then third, I think along with using your resources, taking advantages of those resources, I think it's also really, really important to learn more about the field that you're interested in. So as I talked about courses and stuff like that, and just networking again. Um, so I know when I was researching allergies, um, one of my main mentors or, uh, along the way was my allergy physician, Dr. Hernandez. And so that, that might seem like a little bit unconventional. Like I was like, I was like a kid at the time and I was honestly like scared of approaching him. Um, and asking him to help me, like asking about ideas for my research um, to see how things were going. But I'm really glad that risk paid off. And ultimately, um, as I, I've learned along the way, like it doesn't hurt to ask a question. Like the worst that can happen is they'll say no. But if they do say yes, then you can gain so much from it. Um, and he's been a really great mentor along the way just for bouncing back ideas off my research and helping me go further. And now for my company, I'm working with him to sequence new samples and use that to further my research. What was the first time when you were trying to reach out yeah, to him? Sure. So um, it was actually, um, I, think, I think it was after I conducted a few oral food challenges. And I think it was either at the, one of my latest oral food challenges. It was right after I took one. And I, was, I just was talking to him about like, is this a really big problem in, um, in today's society? And he's like, yeah, it, we, need, we need something safer. And that'll be less time consuming. So I was like, okay, this is pretty interesting. And then um, after that, I, I did see him pretty regularly because I was taking weekly or biweekly allergy immunotherapy shots. So I kind of um, 
contacted him sometimes and he very graciously um, gave me feedback on my paper. I'm really thankful for that as well. And I think he's just a great resource to have in general. Sometimes it doesn't really hurt to um, get uh, feedback from mentors and who are especially um, experts in their field like Dr. Hernandez is. So I'm really thankful for that. And then I think another point that was really important along the way is actually seeking adult support. So obviously I think a lot of the work I did was um, by myself um, in ninth, ninth, 10th, 11th grades. I did, I did a, the brunt of the research work on my laptop, looking up courses. But I think obviously if, you're, if you have adults who can support you, then it's never a bad idea to come in contact with them, just like Dr. Hernandez. Um, but you never know what ways you'll be able to network in. For instance, another one of my advisors right now for my company, um, Dr. Hinko German, um, I met him at a science fair. So that was really interesting. He was really excited about my project. And then he recommended me to apply for this sequencing grant and to create a company to apply for the sequencing grant. And um, now he's, he's been a really great asset for our team. And he's just a really great um, person and a really great uh, mentor in general. So you never know when you'll get those networking opportunities, but always like look out for them. And... Um, always seek more opportunities to learn more about your field. Yeah, so I think opportunity is definitely something maybe a lot of high school students are missing. Like they may know they wanted to tackle a problem, but they don't know where to start. You know, like how can you look for some conferences to go and then people you can network with and then maybe find mentors who can guide you through this? Like how did you seek for out, seek out you know, for those resources? Sure, sure. So um, I think you don't really even need conferences or like, mentors at the initial stages you have to really kind of if you really want it you need to you should go out and there's so many um online resources available i know i was interested in machine learning so i took um free Cor coursera classes and obviously um if you have if you're in contact with a professor um, or someone uh, who knows machine learning who can guide you a family member that also really helps um but in my case, it was mainly just online classes. And then there's so many uh, other online uh, available resources. So if you have a laptop, you have internet, um, you can access a lot of really cool uh, scientific journals. Journals are really, really helpful, even though they may seem uh, like, a, like a pain at first to go through um, them, especially if they're really long and have a ton of jargon. You really learn not only about like the research that's happening in the field, um, but just like how to pursue scientific writing and how to like express coherence um, in a, a way that's completely different from what you may do at school. So I think just looking online before, like looking at adults, but um, if you want to look at adults, I'd recommend like contacting um, a lot of different professors uh, whose work really interests you again and being really appreciative of their time um, who work at different institutions in your area or not. Um, there's a lot of different high school programs as well, if you're um, able to afford those or uh, want to partake in those. Um, I think mainly um, online is really important. Just look, looking at what you already have and then you can go to different mentors um, at research labs or contacts you, other, you might have. Yeah, that's, that's great to hear. Actually, I have another question related to this. I can see that you are very, you know, self-initiative, like a person that you always take things like to begin with and you start something first and then you go seek for these resources to to get your project going. I don't know how would you feel like as a high school student, but I know probably there are a lot of students out there feeling like, oh, I'm just like a high school kid. I, I don't know much related to this field. And how would I feel like intimidated, you know, or like I, I don't feel like that courageous enough to reach out to these like high you know like uh, leveled people and to these conferences and and do you like where do you find that courage and like do you ever doubt yourself and do not you know have that kind of courage to begin with um 
Oh yeah, of of course. Yeah, I totally doubted myself. I still I still doubt myself sometimes. Like I know, like a lot of the process of research, there's so many unknowns. Like sometimes there'll be like months where you don't get any good results, and then you'll be like, "Do I really understand what I'm doing? Can I learn more about this field?" Um, so I think kind of based off what you're saying, always look first to like I think classes you can take. I know um, if your school offers that or not, or like just community community college classes, etc. But then also. I think it's really important to take things like small at a time. Like you don't want to be like, okay, I'm gonna cure food allergies like in one year or something. You want to take it like you want to be reasonable, but also ambitious. If that makes sense, right? There's there's a big there's a nice trade off there, and you want to always set small small goals for yourself, and you want to really make sure that you're okay with the consequences of not having it succeed. Like I remember in ninth grade, I had a preliminary project for um on my on food allergies. And I entered in the synopsis science fair, and I didn't win. And that was, of course, a bummer. I did that myself at that time. I was like, okay,、um, is it worth it to pursue this field? But I'm really glad I did. And that actually, that science fair actually really helped me learn more about what I'm doing right now.、Um, so I think it's really natural to be scared. I was definitely scared, and I think it's okay to be scared. If you're not scared, it's probably you're probably doing something wrong. It's just yeah, because it's it's really easy to doubt yourself. But I would just say take things、uh, small, like.、Uh, In small chunks, and、um, as you're saying, like、um, the courage to ask other mentors. I mean,、uh, yeah, that's that's definitely valid. But just tell yourself that like the worst thing that could happen is that they say no, and then you may not even be in contact with them again. So I know, like my my、uh, a research teacher at our school, she says apply to like just send emails to like twenty thirty mentors because chances are one of them may say yes. Um, so these are things like you kind of like have to do sometimes, and it's definitely important just to know that. The worst that can happen is someone saying no, but if they say yes, then you can gain a lot from that experience. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I found this is like one very common trait among a lot of the young entrepreneurs is like they can deal with rejections really well. Like they know,、uh, one of the entrepreneurs was saying that no means next opportunity. You should just move on. <laughs> yeah, I I really admire that spirit. Like I I don't think I have like. That much, I, I'm still working on that. But I think、oh, one of the things I really learned, like last week, I was at the Regeneron、um, Science Talent Search Institute、um, after being named a finalist. So I was really happy to talk with、uh, George Jankopoulos, who's the chief scientific officer. And then he told me、um, in research, if you don't fail, that means the thing you're doing doesn't really matter. Like to to work on something that really matters, you're probably gonna fail. At least once or twice, and he talked about how、um, his company Regeneron hadn't made a nickel for I think it was either fifteen or twenty five years. Um and but how they were so motivated just to keep working on what they thought was important to uh for even without making any money and they kept working at it and ultimately they're like a multi billion dollar company right now so I think that really motivated me that's really recent that was after I did uh most of my work but that still motivates me like today like I still aspire to kind of get back over rejections and bounce back and to learn more from that experience um like you said earlier it's really hard as um.、Uh... Younger people to imagine research not in a lab. So, can you maybe explain like the process of your or your like the process of research that you're doing right now? Sure. So,、um, obviously, since I wasn't working at a lab, I couldn't do many of the wet lab components that one often finds like traditional to lab, like working with、um, cells or like bioorganisms、um, and stuff like that. But I think with like the new field of like computers and、um, computer science. It's it's not that hard to use publicly available data and just like explore with it. Use purely computational methods and just see what you can find by using data that's online. I know the dataset I used is publicly available on Gene Expression Omnibus, 
it's easily accessible. Um, so that's kind of where I started. But yeah, I know my brother also did a similar project um, a couple years ago. So when he was younger, but he was just using organisms in um, our backyard. I think he was looking at like the fuel um, potential of like different types of leaves. So definitely I would say like, um, just see like what you can do. And um, there is obviously limitations to working at home, but I think computational projects, especially um, at least to start off with, you can definitely do a lot at home that you may not think of. Especially, I, I know that a lot of different labs, um, it's not like I really couldn't, didn't want to apply to a lab. It's just, there were there were age restrictions. So um, you have to be 16 to work at a lot of different uh, research institutions. Um, so I was more or less kind of, if I wanted to work on this project in ninth and 10th grades, I essentially had to work at home, but there was a lot I could do that I was actually surprised myself by um, just using my computer, software programming, um, machine learning, and just publicly available data sets. So Ayush, um, I'm curious, like, when you start doing some research, especially as a high school kid, what if something is beyond your knowledge and say it's not something that you learn completely in school? And how can any kids be as resourceful as you do and do not fear of the unknowns? Do you have any suggestions on that? Sure. So obviously, like, as you we were saying, like, it's really, it's really hard not to fear of the unknowns, right? So that's obviously, I think, part of the process. I, I probably fear feared of the unknowns too. But I think if you're really, like, as I said before, one of the most important things is to try to pursue something that you're really, really, like, interested in. So I think um, just learning, like, things in that field will become a lot easier because you'll learn them for the sake of, like, knowing them and not, um, not just kind of, like, for like, not only as towards an end, which is, like, your research project, but also um, if something doesn't work out, you'll at least learn that and uh, be more knowledgeable as a result. So, for instance, I really... Um, was interested in more of like the machine learning side. So I really enjoyed like taking the extra courses online. I think that's a great way to start. If you don't know something, you can, I think it's definitely always scary to like ask your teachers outside of class and talk to them. But it's definitely, um, as you were saying, it's, it, it can be really worth it. And your teachers, teachers are all, all, all like really knowledgeable. Um, a lot of the times they, they may know a lot more than you think. So um, just ask them about things that they may seem completely out of their field because chances are they might know and they may be, help, may be able to help you a lot on your project. I know when I was in ninth grade, um, I did ask a teacher about some research tips and that did help me in that time. Um, so that was really useful. But I think, yeah, just taking more classes, learning about it, doing the best that you can do. Maybe I can just also add that like about the fear of the unknown, like it's totally like okay to fear the unknown. I know I was talking to uh, someone at the Regeneron Science Talent uh, Search who is also like really similar to me. He learned programming by himself and he had never really won any science competition. So he was like super surprised when he got like selected for the thing. And one thing I really noticed about him was like, he really enjoyed uh, what he was doing. He didn't really care like too much about like winning for the sake of winning. He cared more about like winning to show that his project was really great. Um, so that was really inspiring. That's great. So another thing I wanted to ask actually is about your parents. I'm sure your parents probably have thought about uh, supporting you, you know, like in this whole process. And many parents probably are looking for ways to support the kids or teach the kids to, so to solve real world problems. So what kind of role does your parents play in your education, research, or even the company you fund? Yeah, can you tell us more how they support you in whatever ways? Sure. Yeah. So um, I think definitely mostly like the education part, like 
Um, not only like was I able to go to a great place like Harker, I'm really thankful for that. But also growing up, when I was a small child, um, I really enjoyed like learning math with my dad or um, just like learning bio with my mom. So I think just having their influence um, as a child. And I think one of the things, like, they more or less um, have let me really like pursue my passions, as you were saying in the beginning. Um, that's something I'm really grateful of. They've really helped me kind of like bring out that motivation from inside. So as a parent, like I wouldn't recommend kind of like forcing your child down like a path that they're not eager to take because chances are it'll show in the end that they don't, they're not really interested in it. So um, essentially, I think I'm really glad that they've really kind of supported me even when I haven't really gotten like great results. It's, they've not been like really focused on like my learning for the sake of learning and not more like on the results, like the grades, uh, which have come with like the learning and they, they kind of understand that even though um, they were born and raised in like India, which is extremely competitive obviously, and coming to America, which is extremely difficult, like, as immigrants. Yeah, so I'm just wondering, do they act, actually have some expectations for you to begin with? Sure, yeah, I think they obviously expect me to do well, but uh, one of one of the qualities, like, as you're we talking about, is, like, um, like as I said, like, dedication, exploration, but I think I'm also really self-critical, like, I'm really self-critical about myself more than they are to me, so I'll, sometimes, like, they have to tell me, like, don't worry, it's gonna like, like you don't need to be like so focused on the project. Like as, you, as a researcher, sometimes like um, you, f you tend to like over, over focus on the project and like you like sleep late or something, um, but they, they've really helped me out in that aspect. Yeah, I think, I think it was from the news that I knew that your mom say, as a kid or as a scientific researcher, I think it's great that you forgot to eat and you don't sleep and you just keep focusing on doing this problem. But as a kid or as a parent who actually cares so, you know, so much about you, they actually feel like it's not a good thing to keep doing that forever, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. So um, she, they actually, my parent, both my parents actually helped me actually really become really more balanced uh, well-rounded like I'm doing a lot of different like other activities outside of research um, and they always want me to sleep so um, I'm not actually someone like it was probably a little bit exaggerated just because my parents expectations are like to sleep like nine hours a night so I actually do sleep like seven to eight hours a night and um, that's probably a lot of thankful to my parents for helping me always maintain that like larger perspective like it's not all about like what you're going to do in one night or what you're going to do in a month or in a year um, it's about like the long term and really learning about what you're really interested in. And then ultimately, um, things will be turn out well in the long run if you're really interested in those things that you're learning about um, and if you have the motivation to kind of take that forward. Oh, OK. So now we're on the topic, right? You're it's all focused on research, right? So maybe well, like other interests or hobbies you might have. So how do you like balance between research and your other hobbies? Sure. I think it's definitely it's always a challenge. So um I think throughout high school, one of the things I've learned as I've like kind of become more invested in the activities um, I'm in, and as you grow older, you also have more obligations and you're um, you're invested into more things. So it's always been harder to manage your time, but I think that's something I've learned. It's always uh, better to kind of make a task list for yourself for any kids out there, like any high school students. Um, it's really good to check things off, go sequentially, um, make sure you do everything on time, create a calendar, and then also uh, make sure that I think it's important to really dedicate yourself to what you're doing. So if you're overcommitting yourself, that's obviously not good because then you'll suffer like across the board. And it's best to be really great in like four or five different things and be like mediocre in like 10 different things. Obviously try new things that you want to try out. Like obviously when I started dance, like I was like not, not very good, but I think that's okay. It's totally, it's really fun to do that. But always um, as you grow older, you should keep track of how much time you have 
and what you really want to invest in versus something that someone else is telling you to invest in and maintain that difference. So to wrap up, do you have any last word or suggestions for our kid audience who is listening? Yeah, so um, definitely just make sure to sleep a lot, have fun, enjoy your childhood. I I really enjoyed my childhood. I'm grateful for that experience. I think you learn a lot more sometimes by not always um, like studying like 24/7 and just like playing and having fun as well and do a lot of different things that interest you.、Um, don't be afraid to take risks. Um, I think that's something that's really important, not just with like research, but any activity.、Um, you're always gonna have to take risks, and the people who take the biggest risks, well, most most of them, like it always mostly pays off in the end.、Um, and when it does pay off, it can feel really good. And always be afraid to reach out to new people and talk to them,、um, because I think that's that's probably one of the themes of the talk. Like the worst that they can say is say no, right? And, but if they say yes, then you can get so much more experience from that. And then.、Um, Yeah, so I think one of the things I kind of forgot to mention was like the entrepreneur part of the entrepreneur kid talk. So I think that kind of like reflects like I made a company for like the research grants and everything kind of、uh, went from there. I think that also reflects like the networking aspect. Like I wouldn't have known how to do any of that like without、um, someone who had met at a science fair.、Um, so make sure to kind of like take a lot of opportunities that you may have at your school or in your area, and just seize the resources that you can. And do the best that you can with those resources. Thank you, Ayush, for sharing with us how can you tackle a real world problem as a student. It's great to know that as a student, we can start thinking and researching about real world problems around us. We learned that we shouldn't be afraid to chase our own passion and interest, to seek for resources and opportunities in our surroundings, and we should have a well rounded life, have fun, enjoy childhood, and not only single mindedly do one thing. We are very happy to have you joining us today, and thanks for sharing with us your journey as a student, a young scientist, and a promising entrepreneur. We wish you all the best for these amazing research and inspiring things you have been doing. Yeah, best luck to your college application too.、Um, knowing what kind of person you are and what motivates you, we are sure that no matter where you go and what kind of field you tap into, you will make a big difference in your community and around the world. So thank you, Arush, and thanks for everyone who is listening to Spark by Entrepreneur Kid, where all kids are empowered to learn, create, and become. Thanks for listening to the Spark Creators Podcast at PeachandPlumLab dot com.